Hello and welcome back to Atlanta. Today we're asking, are you mad? What are we doing in the music industry? Fatherhood, a gift shop inside of a museum, inside of an old house, and good old-fashioned colorism. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Oh my gosh, guys. It's a CV Wonder med- medley of deliciousness tonight. We talk about what it means to be black in the South, what it means to be a sibling in entertainment. So many things to discuss today. We're they're going to spend this entire time talking about the show because there's just so much to dissect. Uh, I just want to dive right in. Starting to my far left, panel, introduce yourself. Kelly. Hello. Ah! Kelly Boyd, but some of you may know me by Chaos J. I like don't want to sit by you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. What's up? It's Drew Jones. Hey y'all, it's Ivana Williams. And I'm Joelle Monique. Let's literally not waste even a second. Let's just dive right in. Uh, Three, two, one, go. (laughs) This is a much longer episode than we're typically used to. Usually an episode's about 22 minutes with commercials. Uh, Tonight's episode was about 40 minutes with zero commercials. And we talked a little about this super intense episode uh, with feelings of like Get Out and The Shining and a bunch of other horror films. Um... A little bit of the autopsy of Jane Doe in there, which freaked me right out. Um, how do we feel about not being able to escape from the hellhole that was this episode? I <laughs> listen. I've never missed commercials so much in my life. <laughs> Girl, I was saying the same thing. I was like, I need a commercial break. Like, give me a break, man. I was like, I will take any commercial. Give me a vow, just a little commercial. I don't care. Like, I need <laughs> something because I was just like. It was just so uncomfortable, and it only continued to be more and more. It was an amazing episode, but it just put me in such a weird feeling, and I was like, okay. Yeah. And also, I had like this sense of like anticipation waiting for commercials, and mm. then by the time I realized they weren't coming, the episode was over. Yeah, it's like, you're strapped in, we got you now, it's too late, so just stay tuned. Like, oh, I can't go nowhere. <laughs> like, I'm stuck. Yeah, <laughs> this is it, for me too. So, I like it, though, because I don't think we see a lot of... Um, black faces in suspense and in horror films and stuff like that. So I enjoyed it um, just for what it is, but um, it also creeped me the hell out. Yeah. It certainly felt like a little mini movie, which is always a lot of fun to watch. I'm noticing a lot of shows trying to veer into short form filmmaking as opposed to standardized television. Um, We saw it a little bit in Gotham earlier today. Um, And I think it probably has a lot to do with the pickup of streaming. Mm -hmm. Um, and binge watching, so yeah, I it was, it was emotional. There are yeah. several times when I wanted to stop watching. I feel like, yeah, okay. I just I feel like they have the closed captioning before the show all the time, but I feel like I need a better, bigger trigger warning too, because I'm like, no, wait a minute, wait, because mm-hmm. at, at the very end we were all just like, <laughs> well, for me, <clears throat> first off, shout out to the fact that they've given us. A, a pretty nice range going from the Helen episode to the barbershop episode to now. Like we've we've covered a big spectrum. But another thing is that as I'm watching this the whole time, all I'm thinking to myself is how is Darius so calm and collected? <laughs> like because just from when he walks in and you say man, he's there in the corner. Like that, Is that Mr. Wonder? <clears throat> right. The, yeah, that like he's <laughs> he's literally in the shadows. Like that right there just speaks creepiest. Mm. And so You can curse here. This is an explicit podcast. Oh, that's you right. Don't have to censor you. Okay, that means so it, go back to your car and go home. Mm-hmm. Like there were the so many out. moments, yeah. and I'm pretty sure we all share the same sentiment. There's so many moments where I'm like, you know what? Fuck that piano. Yeah. Leave. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. Literally. It, it not only did it feel like an ode to get out, it almost felt like a prequel to get out. You're like, Darius, this is how you end up. This, this is, how, is how we got, you to got there. there. This is how it happens. This is scary. You're too curious. And, and I hate to say this. Um, it's going to sound wrong, but low-key it's not wrong because it's kind of true. If you watch horror movies, Uh-oh. especially from the 80s. What's happening? I felt like he was making a lot of like, like super scary white woman moves. Oh, okay. During yeah, this episode. <clears throat> you know, they I always, know. like they're running in the forest with heels. All these mistakes that, you know, as they go throughout, you're like, girl, you about to die. What you doing? 
that. Thank you. And I felt like we were getting a lot of that. Like there was a lot of time where I'm like, no, don't accept. Like you said, don't take the water. What are you talking about? Okay, so would y'all have asked? Would y'all have accepted the water? No, I'd be like, no, I don't want no water. I don't want to share the same air as that man. I was so irritated when he took the water and he drank it. I'm like, well, this is it. I don't know. This is what I like about Darius, and I think the thing he's that he's very, very fearless. He's it's very not. Darius. It's not even about fearlessness. It's about his desire to connect with human beings. Like mm-hmm. what we see consistently from Darius is his ability to see much further than anyone else is looking, and he's not judgmental at all in any shape. Or he's just willing to accept what's happening. So yeah, this guy is weird, but he's a human being, so he's going to treat him like a human being. And you know, oh my, let's sit and talk to this dude for a minute. Um, and I think that kind of makes Darius like beautiful and really special even though yeah you know the makeup of a good horror film is like please leave this place you're giving me anxiety like Mm -hmm. your danger makes me upset like let's move forward um so kudos to the team for creating that kind of space i think the idea the choice not to do commercials is a brave one um because that's advertising dollars you're losing um but I, I think it paid off in the end, um, even though I would have liked a break from it. Something I don't need a break from is Maria Menounos. Yes. She's oh, heck, come on, segue. <laughs> what? <laughs> segue game. She's a professional. Flames. It's flames. She is a professional. The segue game is flames. Yeah, flames. <laughs> I'm really upset about this. I'm so upset about this voice. Yes, so for don't y'all out there, do you want to have fun, learn, and grow in all areas of your life? For those of you who do, we have the podcast for you. Hey, that rhymes. Conversations <laughs> with Maria Minuno's podcast edition is hosted by our AfterBuzz TV founder and drops every Friday on iTunes. Conversations with Maria Minuno's features celebrity and influencer interviews along with secrets and tips on how to be better in all aspects of life. You know you need it. From health and wellness to career, relationships, finances, and more, let our Maria be the big sister you've always wanted. Just go to iTunes and subscribe to Conversations with Maria Minuno's for free. All right, be sure to rate and comment. And when you do, let Maria know that it was us who sent you there, specifically me, Ivana, please. Or the whole Atlanta panel. Yeah. You're being supportive and loving. Yeah. What? Conversations <laughs> with Maria Menounos, podcast edition. Check it out. All right, let's go. I'm ready. Def do. She's got great advice. I can't, like, people are like, oh, we can't see this. I'm like, you're hearing it because it's good and you should listen to it. Like, ah. go check it out. Mm. Um, other things we should check out? That hat. When are we going to start mass producing the You Mad hat? You Mad. With the clearly, like, so, okay, Ivana, you're from the South. <laughs> you had feelings about it. Yeah. I really liked the hat. To, to me, it represented, obviously, the MAGA hats. Like, clearly. Mm. And, and I felt it was a really awesome way to take back a symbol that has, to me, rather quickly, like, reached a status of the rebel flag, which is just like, it's uncomfortable. Clearly, you don't like me. If you have that hat on and you say you're not a racist, I'll never believe you. Ever. Um, and so it was funny for him to take it and ap- essentially appropriate that. And, yeah. And yeah. the fact that it's Southern Is that appropriating made. white culture? Well, the fact that it said <laughs> Southern made and he is it Southern made. And I think a lot of times people not from the South think of the South as like old Dixie yeah. and like very white. But the South is super black and amazing. We here. Yeah. And so I like the idea of like... The fact that it's taking back Southern Maid, like, I am also of this place, I am also from this country, and I freaking rock. Um, and I also like that they asked the question, you mad, bro? You mad I took your hat? Yeah. Why are you big mad over there? Um. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, being from the South, for me, I understand that some black people, they do take the Confederate flag paraphernalia to show that they're not scared of the flag. Um, even Kanye West did it for that one line that he had. Um, he had, like, the Confederate flag, like, on the arm or whatever, and he caught flag for that, but... As a Southerner, I'm not ready to try and appropriate the flag. I was just actually down in the South. It is very, very real. Like, yeah. you can't... that. I get it, but some sometimes some things are just for show, and only mm-hmm. something like that can happen in a show in the South, and only Kanye could have worn the Confederate flag, because black people out there, we don't do that. Yeah. It's, it's not... And we live in a bubble being out here in Los Angeles. Like, yeah, let's, let's try and do that, but let's not. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of on the same page a little bit, Ivana, yeah. because... Again, also from the South. And, like, when you saw a flag like that growing up, that meant you need to turn around. You got to turn the car around. Because you could have easily been in danger. Like, that was a sign of, like, things Mm. are about to get real uncomfortable and scary for me. See, I'm not even from the South, but I lived in the middle of nowhere, Illinois. uh, And there was a guy who's literally every window had a rebel flag on it Mm. in his truck. And his horn was the land of cotton. He would honk it at black people. It was very uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, I have heard rumors that there was rope in the back of that car and all kinds of crazy things. Of course. So it's very, it's, um. He's got the whole toolkit. It's fresh and uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 
I mean, I just think that even if there's kind of a thing that black people are going to start doing, it's just not, it's not a fad that's accessible to all black people. Yeah. You know what's funny? Speaking of fads, I remember, this is probably, I'd say like maybe seven or eight years ago, there was a small um, boutique designer, uh, designer um, company that tried to do that. They tried mm-hmm. to reappropriate the uh, Confederate flag. And I can't yeah. remember to save my life what the name of it was, but they had jeans and shirts and hats and all kind of just different, you know, clothing items with different, uh, you know, variations of that flag. Mm-hmm. And the same way you said, like, yeah, like I just I can't get with it. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that and I was like, I see what you're trying to do, but I, I can't rock with it. It don't curl yeah. all the way. Like over. in theory, I dig it, and I'm like, yeah, let's something that's caused black people so much pain. Like, let's flip it and make it just like you know the n-word and all that but I just I don't know there's just I think I'm still I have PTSD from the confederate flag okay. so I'm like mm, yeah I'm I, also have I think we can only just ha- like turn the, the n-word for now like yeah. let's start small <laughs> Jesus I have uh, PTSD over the initial reveal of Teddy uh, don't specifically start. please Teddy <laughs> from the shadows specifically because he heard the CB Wonder music and I'm like I feel like it wasn't blaring that loud in the truck no, like how no, did no, you no. hear it what kind of alien are you I was very concerned what was your initial reaction to the reveal of Teddy I was first off I was like oh <laughs> like it's an MJ knockoff right mm-hmm. and then I was like who is it? And at first, I saw Jordan Peele had tweeted that he had done, like he was in some type of like weird. I want to say white face, but white face that makes it seem like it's offensive and it's not. Um, <laughs> but it is white. Yeah. Face. Um. But yeah, so I was like, oh, is that Jordan Peele? But then like we looked harder, <laughs> and you said it was Donald. And then as soon as I looked, I was like, oh, I see his little baby teeth and his little yeah. eyes. That's Donald. <laughs> and I, it was just cre- ugh, it's just too much. I wasn't surprised when he came out the shadows. Like, of course, this we see somebody who looks like this. Um, and throughout the episode, it was very clear that they were just trying to play off of, you know, how would Michael Jackson live if he was still alive and living in Atlanta? You know, it's so, kind of crazy because like they were trying to do a movie a while ago. I think no, they they did the movie. It was released in Britain where a white guy was playing. Michael Jackson. Yes, on, uh, Ray Fiennes. Yes. Yeah. Um, Terrible. Oh, which, if you've seen interviews with Michael Jackson, he says very explicitly, like, I'm a black man. Please don't do that to me. And I thought it was an interesting way to explore the later years of an icon. Um, still having him be a black man, but still exposing the, like, head tilt I think most of black society had. Uh if you only know Michael Jackson from his later days and aren't familiar with Jackson 5 days or don't understand his yeah. like teen pop legacy status like that would be like if Michael B. Jordan like came out and was like I got Reba DeLigo and like nothing I can do guys here's what's up and then started like wearing a glove not on my man I'm just saying not on my man <laughs> it would be that like level of shocking um and so I thought that that was really cool um Specifically, as we get into some of the other aspects of Teddy's life, the fact that he views his father as a suit, essentially. The fact that, you know, he and his brother are living under the same roof, but living completely different lives, and yet somehow still dependent on each other. He's dependent on the memory of who his brother was, where his brother's dependent on him basically not going insane and killing him. There's a lot of dynamics back and forth and I was curious as to what you guys thought especially from some of the symbolism like the egg which he referred to as an owl casket and there's the whole idea of life and death wrapped up in that one gooey very disgusting moment what do you think (laughs) what do you think it's Donald Glover and um, his brother also wrote the episode Stephen what do you think they're trying to talk to us tell us about the music industry (laughs) I feel like they're saying a oh, lot. They, when they got in a conversation about rap, I was and like, "What's what's Teddy for to say about rap?" But then I was like, it, "I don't think it quite." What did he say? I don't think it quite um, made it out of its adolescence. Yeah, and then that's when he threw the low key jab at Jay Z. Was saying like, "Yeah, you got Jay Z. He's sixty five. Like, yeah, he's like seventy five. But like, you know, we got him. <laughs> he's on our team." I feel like. If, well, we do. You guys want to have? We should have that conversation. Okay, so. Did rap evolve out of its adolescence? Yes. Like, I threw that question back to you guys. Um, I think it had a moment where it started to... Okay. I think that there are rappers out there who are continuously making rap evolve, and it's becoming greater and greater. Like, I think Kendrick, you know, Chance. But then there's rappers 
this like this like era of rap that we're in right now is just like I'm like what what's is, happening? You're not down with the mumblecore? Yeah, so I feel like <laughs> I feel like we're having that rap is having that scream, mom. This is not a phase type like. You know, I, like I wholeheartedly era. disagree with that. I feel like music, especially once it enters a popular space, which rap's been in popular space since the late '80s, really. Um, you'll get two strands of it. In the same way you can look at rock and roll and the songs that were charting in the 60s were very like, oh my gosh, super sweet, like go-go pop, daisies. Like it's very cute where the rock kids were actually listening to in their homes or trading with their friends in record stores was like heavy and about like society and war and all this other stuff. There's always a two-faced side of music. It's the stuff that's being pushed and sold and the stuff that's being created out of the life that's lived. So if you look at like Mick Jenkins Waters or um, No Name Gypsy's Telephone, like there's a lot of artists creating quality music. It just doesn't chart. And, you know, the teens got to have something to listen to, I guess. Yeah, like, let's give them some, some stuff to listen y'all to. Y'all could enjoy. Something good and repetitive. Um, so I guess so my, my main questions for this episode are like, what are we saying about music and black people's places in it? And specifically, if we look at the idea of perfection being a requirement to excel, which a lot of black people have heard parents, teachers, um, mentors say, like, it's not good enough to be good. You have to be excellent. Yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting when they're talking about the father that he wanted to celebrate parents and or fathers in general, and it wasn't just musicians. He also brought up Serena Williams' dad and like Tiger Woods' dad Joe and Jackson. Joe Jackson, and yeah. it just made me think about like there is this weird dynamic within the black community with parents where it's like society views it as our we have like deadbeat dads and like mm. our dads aren't there, and then there's this extreme other end where we have where we're viewed as having like parents who like push us too far because yeah. we have to be twice as good just to be on the same playing field mm-hmm. and there's no like weird there's no like actual media like in reality there is but we're never represented yeah. as two extremes yeah, yeah we're never mm-hmm. represented as reality so I thought it was interesting that he brought up those like people and it made me just think of like the music industry how Beyonce lost to Adele. Not that I don't love Adele, mm. but like Beyonce yeah, lost wasn't fair. the Grammy to Lemonade. I mean, she to lost Adele, and that to was, Taylor Swift yeah. on all the single ladies. But those are like one of the most iconic music videos. Yeah. But mm. Lemonade, she literally went through every single genre of music and mm-hmm. like did the damn thing and then still lost an album to Adele, who is not mediocre, but I mean, she. If she was a black woman, she'd be a mediocre R&B singer. She sure would She's be. given us the same out. Al- like, every album has just been a different iteration yeah. of the same album. It's and not really And the songs really are that- good, y'all, but it's not groundbreaking. Yeah, not it's because all. she's white that it's suddenly amazing and whatever. And you, mm-hmm. can, you can get mad at me in the comments and say that I'm wrong, but I no. guarantee you that... Jasmine Sullivan should be above I'm saying again. Jill Scott oh, well, Jasmine Sullivan, Sullivan should be doing so much right now. So. But it's, it's, it ties very much into this episode that we have to be four times, five times as good just for you to acknowledge that we're good. Mm -hmm. Like, our excellence isn't, like, for some reason, our excellence only reaches their mediocrity. Mm. Ooh. Get it, girl! Mm. Xavier also said, preach, Drew! (laughs) (laughs) I got you. So, let's look at the siblings, then. We see a lot of siblings in entertainment, whether you're looking like Wachowskis or um, for the tiny black stand-up comedians, the Wayans. No, 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 you're talking no, no. about the twins. The, yeah. Oh, um, I forget what the I name love are. them. What are yes. their names? Something. They have a movie oh, called The Animated Show. They're hilarious. I haven't laughed. <laughs> but even to like large, the, can you look at the Kardashians? There's a ton of siblings in entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, as somebody who works in entertainment with their sibling frequently, I was like a little bit disturbed by the imagery here and the fact that it was written by brothers brought up a lot of stuff to me. This idea that do you guys think that they loved each other? That they had love for each other in their heart, or that this was just and this was the the deterioration of their of their like relationship? Or was it more they were rivals, and he was never going to be a good a piano player as his brother, and therefore he wasn't making his dad happy, and therefore their relationship didn't get even get a chance. Yeah, probably the latter. I don't have a sibling mm-hmm. or, or anything. I'm an only child, but um, so I can't speak like from personal experience. But it seems like the love was there at one point. But I see. I've also seen sometimes siblings they get too attached to each other and too dependent. 
And it's, that's always weird to me to see like older siblings living together like at that age. That's just they almost seemed a little too dependent on one another. But I do think Theodore was probably really jealous of Benny at some point because he was um, obviously going to kill them. I think like in situations like that because I do have siblings. I'm the oldest of a lot of kids, um, <laughs> but I'm close in age with most of my siblings. And I think that when you grow up in a situation where like you grow up in the project, you grow up, you know, low income or whatever, and you guys really have to be the out for your family. Mm-hmm. There's this sense of like competition, and then there's also this sense of like who's going to be able to get mom about the projects, you know? And it's and it almost becomes like not not that you're resentful towards one another, but it's like you have your certain way of doing things and they have their certain way of doing things and there is this weird sense of like I don't really peep how you're doing it and you're not really respecting how I do it. It's soul food. Yeah, it's just very like (laughs) there is like this weird unspoken like you have mad love for each other but it is this weird unspoken competition of like who's going to be successful and who's Mm. even if we're both successful one of us technically is more successful and therefore that one As siblings we will find a way to measure that too. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm going to have to go ahead and yeah. co-sign 100% because that's exactly how it is, I think, with my brother, who I don't really talk to. And See? my mom <laughs> is like, and my mom will play play us off of each other or play, yeah, that's mm-hmm. it, right? So she'll, you know, like, there's certain things she knows she can get out of him that she can't get out of me and vice versa. But then there's also times where she'll drop lines, she'll drop little hints about something, and then I know, like... Well, let me go ahead and do it. Even though I don't want to do it, mm-hmm. let me go ahead and do it because I want to be able to have that advantage of saying that, you know, I did this and I did it first and so, I did it better than you would have done it. So is there always like a subtle sibling rivalry no matter what? Like, does that never I don't think away? it necessarily has to be, but I think it does. There's it, just, it happens. There's I think a sibling like really close with their sibling. I have one other sibling. He's 22 months younger than me. So like people would think we were twins or like very close in age. Um... We have rivalries, but now it's like it's weird. It's about different things because we know who we are. We're, we're enough that we're, like you know he's not trying to be a better writer or director than I am, and I'm gonna try to outdo him in business. But you know, if we like, I don't even know what we fight about anymore. We're better at video games, like who calls mom more? Yeah, who's the most <laughs> loved right now? Yeah, you know, <laughs> like, um, that kind of stuff. No, I agree. One, it's the Lucas Brothers. Thank you. Two, um, it is. It's like. It's not necessarily, like, who... I don't know. It's weird, because my sister and I are four years apart, and my sister's, like, getting married, and she's pregnant, and there's this weird sense of, like, well, Drew's the older one, and she's not pregnant, and she's not getting right. married, and it's, like, this weird, like, mm. well, damn, I'm out here in Hollywood doing my thing. Why are you worried about me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, like, there's there's always some type of weird, like, and it's all love or whatever, but at the mm. end of the day, it's kind of, like, you know, well, mom's calling me more, which is facts. Mom, you are calling Allie more, oh. but whatever. <laughs> wow. Get it together, mom. <laughs> Get it together, mom. Um, but, yeah, there is, like, this weird com- competition for, like, affection from your parents even like when you go into adulthood which is weird it really struck me uh specifically when we were able to jump out of the house which is kind of the only breath or reprieve we got from the intensity inside of the house uh when you (laughs) when darius calls paperboy and (laughs) you know he sort of become like turns up and is the best friend all of us would be which is like it's a free piano you should just leave that and get the hell out of there um the whole conversation about sammy sosa (sighs) is it wrong that we're still ragging on sammy or does he deserve this for life is his dragon never ending i mean he if you used to be black and now you not like of course we're gonna rag on you and i feel like yeah you that that's never gonna get old but we also need to shout out our chat because our chat is super popping um what our chat, our live chat. We gotta shout them no, out. No, I see. Su- no. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> um, they're super popping. And Mrs. Richards said something um, where you know I'm, you know, like I gotta work to survive, but I wish I could give my parents a rest. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. Mm. Like that's something that's always in the back of my mind when I'm like, damn, like I'm tired. I don't want to do this, or I don't want to submit to this, or I don't want to, you know, try and do this extra gig or whatnot. And I'm like, shit, like I really need to get it because. I want to be able to give my parents the opportunity to rest before it's too late. Um, so I, I feel that. Okay, now back to this, 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 whatever. Um, I forget who said it, but somebody said, do we think Teddy bleached his skin? 
And given as black as they were in the, in the vintage videos, I'm going to go ahead and say yes. And then two, I feel like if you, I mean, granted, there is, colorism is real and colorism does affect people on a lot of different levels, uh, especially um, subconsciously that you're not even aware of. But I still feel some kind of way if you actually go that extra step further to lighten your skin. Like, I'm, I'm low-key. Like, I feel like at, at any given time, you're open to getting roasted because you, like, you bleached your skin. Bad, and then yeah. when it goes wrong, it's one thing, like, you bleach your skin, like, I'm, like, maybe super crunchy, and then, like, maybe I look like you, but I still, like, it's still even, it still looks good, and it still looks somewhat natural, but Sammy Sosa don't look natural. Mm, he's pink. Let's just be honest. <laughs> like, I love Michael Jackson to death, but it didn't look natural. Mm. Like, there's a lot of people that we're seeing who's lightening their skin, and it's like, what are you doing? Like, you look like hot trash, like, low-key, like, <laughs> raw salmon. I think it, I, it actually makes me sad. Like, I, I mean, I get it. The roasting is, like, funny. Like, when they were talking about he looks like a white man's penis, like, that was funny. But, like, when I think about, like, I'm Jamaican, and in Jamaica, colorism is a huge issue. Skin bleaching is a huge thing. And, like, I just think about how, like, I get treated in comparison to, like, my cousins who are, like, dark skin and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, it makes me sad because... I'm never going to know what it's like to not... I mean, I know what it's like to be a black woman, but I'm never going to know what it's like to be a dark-skinned black woman, especially in America, where we're cel- all of our features are celebrated, but our skin's not. And so for, like, I don't know, for someone to feel like they, tru- like they truly hate themselves that much, that they, that they think in their mind that this is the only way that people are going to love them and respect them, like, that makes me kind of sad. Like, yeah. because I, I think it's, like... It's like self-hate to the highest form. Because mm-hmm. he's not outwardly trying to hurt anyone. He's not tearing anyone down for their skin color. Like, it's truly an inward thing. And he's like, yeah. let me just bleach my skin. No, I definitely felt it. Because like I was saying when we were watching, I'm like, whenever we all found out about Sammy Sosa, like, anytime we Googled it, that was our reaction. We were all like, damn, what happened? Like, why would you do that? But... I felt the same way too. Like, there's jokes at the surface level, but then when she said, "What do you be like? Wow, like he must really be struggling." And he like, was handsome. What's going on? Like, why mm-hmm. would you do that? Yeah. So, I feel you on that. Like, he's there's a struggle on the inside. What's and going on? I feel like this is when you. It really helps to have a good support system at home, and it doesn't necessarily have to be mom and dad because not everybody came from a household where it was mom and dad. Because I know I didn't. Um, where you have that positive reinforcement about your looks. I have a big ass nose. My dad has a big ass nose. I got some decent sized lips. Now, at this age, I'm I'm cool with my nose, I'm cool with my lips, but I remember going to school and I, and, and not only did I get made fun of my name because my name was Kelly, <laughs> but I decided to throw that in there. I'm sorry. <laughs> But not only did I I, did I get you know teased about my name, but I would always get teased about my nose and my lips constantly. Like that, and then that was like in the heyday when Mm. the Twizzler commercials was popping with the lips, and people call me Twizzler lips and soup coolers. Oh my god! Oh, they would say all kinds of stuff. Oh, don't stand too close to Kelly. If he take a deep breath, he gonna suck you up. Like. They would go in. Kids are evil. They would go that is in. So, so I would I would legit hate my nose and I hated my lips and I didn't really like the way I looked for a long ass time. But my mom, you know, my mom would always tell me I was handsome. My grandmother would tell me I was handsome and it helped. Yeah. And it just sucks because like you said, that's when you go to that level when you start to bleach your skin, it is insecurity and self-hate at the highest form. And if you don't have anybody to kind of, you know, counteract that with some, you know, some positive reinforcement, yeah. it can go south like that. And they clearly didn't have a lot of positive reinforcement because their dad all. was, he was yeah. evil. But I think it does definitely tie into, you know, the industry because, like, I mean, Amar Negra, for instance, like, we saw on Love & Hip Hop, Young Hollywood trash. Tried to come for her. Trash. Tried to come for her and was like... So is he young? Is he Afro-Latino at all, at all or no? He's Latino, right? He's Latino. But is he, also, he, is he black. black and Latino? No, I don't okay. think so. Okay. No, but um, yeah, like we just saw that whole situation with them basically trying to like whiten her and she's like, this is who I am. This is what I've always been. Yeah. My voice isn't going to change just because you throw me in a wig, you know, mm-hmm. or like I dress differently or whatever. And so I think it's interesting how... 
we see uh, Teddy get so light skinned. Well, well, didn't a- they say something in there too? Like I have to keep the lights dim. Yeah. So what? I mean, if you keep a black person inside long enough, like you don't have a lot of vitamin D. Like, but <laughs> I don't think he's gonna go from the skin color he was yeah. before to like your colors. Yeah. So that was weird. which I thought was interesting also because like I had girlfriends in high school who like. I went to high school um, in Florida, and so we would have, like, we'd skip school sometimes and go to the beach or whatever, and they'd be like, girl, I can't, like, they'd have umbrellas, but mm-hmm. I can't get any darker. And I used to think that was so weird, because I'm like, you're so pretty. Like, I would kill the, like, how I would soak up all the sun, because right? I was like, let me get gold and dark and, like, lovely. Oh, I love um, when I have a tan. Right? Yeah, no, I can't. I don't understand. Uh, but even I wanted to address your earlier point of their dad being evil, and especially as we look at, like, fatherhood, and we talked a little bit about how um, usually when we're talking about black fatherhood, it's, like, absentee fatherhood and mm. the struggles of that. And I thought, one, it's really cool that we're going to look at other issues that black fathers and sons face, uh, which can be, like, this overbearing um, personality because I'm trying to keep your ass safe and you need to be excellent if you're going to succeed and you need to know and follow the rules because the rules are very different for you and people will not give you a second chance. It's hard for me to see, even because my dad, in the very early years of my life, super hardcore disciplinarian, mm-hmm. but I understood that it came from a place of love, not enjoyable, you know, but but I got it and in knowing his parents and the fact that his parents are from the South and like from that generation, like, they, we're not saying I love you. We're not hugging. We're yeah. not doing any of that. Like, I raised you so you could go out in the world and be an adult man, not so I could coddle you and you could be a baby. And I, it's hard for me to view parents like that as evil. Like, I don't think Serena views her father as yeah. evil. Like, he pushed her and maybe it was harder than she wanted. Even Beyonce talks about her dad, who did some pretty messed up stuff later in her life. Hello. But she talks about the building blocks and the way that he set her up to be successful. I don't know if it's necessarily fair, but I wanted to get your guys' take. Is is that evil? Is that coming from a place of love? Is that something that needs to change? I well, each da- go ahead. I'm gonna say each dad that he called off is a different dad. They're a different type of black man. Joe Jackson was evil. Like we know that he used to pour hot water on them to wake them up and shit. Like he's just an evil guy. Um, Tiger Woods, maybe. I'm like if and if they're. They don't have to physically hit their children, but if you're verbally abusive, like I view them as an evil person. That's why I said it that way. But it it just is really weird and interesting to me when fathers are like that and we see the phenomenon that their children do become, but that doesn't it also doesn't make it okay to be that type of father. Yeah. I think it hits oh sorry, were you No, but yeah, I mean but no, go ahead, ladies oh. first. Thank you. Um first. I think it just hits a lot of a lot of different levels. One the black community doesn't really let their black men have emotions. And so mm. I feel like that oh. kind of plays into it. Two, I like, I, you know, have an, my, my dad came here from Jamaica. Like I have, you know, a whole side of the family that are immigrants. And it's kind of like, we didn't come all the way over here for you to be acting up. Acting up. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like we right. got, I remember when I, you know, told my parents or I told my dad, like, I'm going to switch my major and I'm going to move to LA. What? Who said that? Not me. And <laughs> my grand my my dad was like, "Don't tell your grandparents." Like <laughs> they go and they like they're going to write you out of the will. Like they're just very hardcore about that, but I don't I never took it as like them being evil or mean. I think it's because they sacrificed so much and they did that so that I could be great and they want me to be great and they want they they in their mind feel like they have to do all these things to ensure that I'm great. Yeah, I can understand that. Definitely. Um, so she pretty much said everything I was going to say. <laughs> I have nothing left to say. Uh, Darren in the chat made a comment where he said people have become really really sensitive over this past decade, and I agree. Um, oh. And I feel like speaking on sensitivity and, and things like that because. In just a lot of the different aspects of life over this last decade, people are extremely sensitive. I also feel like the handling and the way the kids have been are being raised now is so that they're sensitive uh, to to a fault. And while I don't feel like you need to be pouring hot water on your children to help them build character, I don't disagree with some of the. Some of the parenting choices that parents make in black families, um, like I have. Are you talking about spanking? Like just no, I'm just talking about it. just in just uh, the fact that 
you know, our our you know, a lot of the different households, kids come from, you know, black parents are a lot more strict. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the fathers, you know, that are there are disciplinarians and there's not a lot of leniency and you are pushed to be three to four times better than your white counterparts because you have to be. And I also feel like because of a lot of us, the way we were raised in our families, it it, it kind of gives us the armor and it gives us the tools that we need to make it in society and and just be but to successful. this episode's point, I think I think because what I find really interesting about this is Donald Glover is a new father. I think his kid is now two or three years old. He has a son. Um, the idea that. I pushed you so that you could be great and better as a fallback. Because if, as Lakeith was saying, (laughs) as Darius was saying, um, like, love can push you to do a lot of right, things. You don't always have to be great. You don't like, always have to have sacrifice. Like yeah. my, like I said earlier, like my in my early years, my dad was a real disciplinarian. He went through like a whole spiritual journey thing and came back and was like, let me just let people live their lives. And like, I quit a lot of stuff. I was allowed to try different things. Like, I was allowed to be my own person. And because of that, I was able to find my own path. Now, that doesn't mean I was running around without any rules or regulations. It doesn't mean I still wasn't expected to strive and achieve. But I think this kind of lenience, this kind of push on young developing minds is a challenge. I think when we say like, oh, we're too sensitive, what we're really saying is before everyone hit a lot of their feelings and went, put on a tough exterior. And we see what that does to people's interiors. Like it's, it's a, a struggle to keep up a farce, to, to keep telling people like everything is fine. And I think it's much better to allow people to be sensitive or break down or cry or be upset about something so that they can figure out what it is that's bothering them, make a change, and be better than to say, suck it up and move on with your life. I, I just firmly believe that that attitude cripples people emotionally and hurts them and the people around them yeah. in the long okay. term in the same way that. that Teddy was hurting his brother. I agree. I look at how my – I have a 14-year-old brother, and I look at how him and my 9-year-old brother, like how they are growing up and how – like my parents have changed their methods of raising them in comparison to me and how, like, they're so much more in tune with their emotions and they're so much more in tune with, like, how they react to things and they understand themselves better. And I think we're not necessarily becoming more sensitive. I think we're becoming more in tune with who we are as people. And I don't think that it's a bad thing. I think it's a healthy thing. I think the black community, we've been so... We've had to be hardcore and strong for so long that any sign of weakness we're like oh you're just being soft like oh get it together or you're but, gonna get hurt because of this softness yeah, like, and again I just think that it all comes from a place of love and I think that's why the thank you at the end was so important like yeah. I'm sorry that this happened to you I'm sorry that you didn't get the love and support that you needed I just I wonder how many people needed those words you know what I mean like I your agree. father should have apologized to you and the comparison of Stevie Wonder to like you know the Teddy character which is kind of like the MJ character mm-hmm. and how he in his mind believes that Stevie Wonder made sacrifices or that his blindness was a sacrifice and how Darius is like him being blinded isn't a sacrifice because he wasn't blinded to everything. That's a really interesting comparison too if you think about the parallels between Stevie Wonder and Michael Jackson like coming out at the same time both young pro- prodigal talents mm-hmm. um, both left their, like, parent uh, record company to become solo artists of profound, like, music and um, celebrity. And yet two very different lives Mm -hmm. overall. Stevie Wonder has never, at least outwardly, seemed consumed by fame, whereas Michael could not escape it. And if we're listening to some of our older generations telling wild, crazy stories out here, hi, Quentin. Quincy. Uh, Quincy. Um... Maybe Michael did that to himself. And I wonder if that was the overall message that uh, Donald and Stephen were trying to say. Because, like, even the idea of the house, which we all know Michael kind of boarded himself up in his home. Mm -hmm. um, The idea of the gift Gift shop shop. and literally living off of a past success, something Mm -hmm. that you don't hold or have anymore. Michael used to have all types of statues in his house Mm -hmm. and stuff. Like, ugh. But that's what I say, though. I I definitely feel that because I'm like, oh, they're saying... 
you know, it's the question again, like how would Michael Jackson live if he was still alive today and maybe like in Atlanta? Like this is the yeah. continuation of Michael's life. But it's also kind of yeah. a reflection of like was the fame and all of that hard work and all of that like stern you know, Parenting. was it all really worth it? Because it? at the end of the day, you're boarded up in this, this house This is what alone. it looks like at the end. And yeah. not only are you boarded up in the house, but the relationship between you and your brother isn't even a healthy one Mm-mm. to the point where your brother is literally downstairs kind of just, you know, closed off yeah. from everything. Yeah, plotting your murder. I wanted to ask you guys, <laughs> as we're running low on time, what no. was Teddy's overall plan here? Because he says, you're my sacrifice. He talked a lot about sacrifices being vital and important to success and growth, and it seems like maybe he's trying to turn this place into a museum so he has something yeah. to relive the past. I think it was the sacrifice was the sacrifice for the success of the museum in his mind. The literal it blood was sacrifice. A literal sacrifice. Wow. Like even with just the drop of blood on the piano, like um foreshadowed. A lot of like um and a lot of like, you know, witchy type like mm-hmm. covens and whatnot. Like it's a single drop of blood that like, you know, is the sacrifice. So I thought that was a really interesting touch on like the drop of blood being on the piano because it's kind of like that was sac- sacrifice. I'm sacrificing to the music, um, but yeah, I don't know. It was just, yeah, exactly. It was all of that I'm right like, there because okay. I didn't get all that, but <laughs> I, I'm like, I got it now. Yeah, no, I that's how I felt too. I I didn't think of it all that deep, but when I saw the blood on the piano, I'm like, okay, whose blood is this and why? And then he touched. I'm like, it was wet. So, um, but yeah, that's that's kind of how I felt too. I'm like, this is foreshadow. You need to get out of there. Uh, for me, I felt like he wanted to, and then uh, Rich said says it as well. He tried to kill Buddy and use Darius as a scapegoat. So yeah, or Benny. Um, I, I agree a hundred percent. I felt like Darius was going to be the sacrifice that was going to allow him to get away with killing his brother, so that his brother he could restore his brother's celebrity. And and essentially kickstart this museum that was. I mean, you can now walk through the mansion where he was murdered. Yeah, like it it would definitely propel that project forward. Kind of like um, Elvis Presley's Graceland. Yeah, absolutely. Is that what it's called? Yeah, totally, totally, absolutely. Yeah, he's sitting on the toilet. Yeah, peanut butter. He died of some he died of some bowel complications. Um, it was wet. <laughs> so we talked about pain in the black community. I guess, no, we kind of talked about more like sacrifice and being the best, but not necessarily about the pain, which I think is the last major thing that um, the show was trying to talk about and the idea of our pain selling its art. This is something we talked a lot about um, with slave narratives. I am not one of those people who believes we should stop telling slave narratives. I think our ancestors have a whole bunch of stories to tell. I would just like to stop telling slave narratives through the perspective of slave masters um, so we can, you know, get into what our people were actually going through at the time. Look at that. Um, but I also think that we see it in our music, in our news stories that are popular. Like, Janitor works for 82 years at a bus station, never takes... Uh, a sick day celebrated that's not a happy life no. why are we that's why um you know mom works three employee. jobs exactly mom works three jobs she's a teacher with four degrees but she still has to drive lift to support yeah. like it's a grit's like oh it's a great uplifting story that's not great and uplifting that's awful our economy is sucks like that woman should just be able to teach and then it's, go home and sleep yeah. it's almost like see what she's doing and she's not complaining so you need to shut up and not complain either Mm -hmm. that part okay real quick um i want to talk about just the fact how did you guys notice the 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 shift in tone when you know at first he was you know like he was pleasant and everything was nice and then welcoming and then all of a sudden he just got really dark and i felt like (laughs) I knew that this fine line was being was being walked on the entire episode, and I was waiting. And when Alfred said Paperboy, told you know when they basically came to the conclusion that he needed to be more forthcoming and direct in order to expedite that whole process, I knew at that moment, okay, shit's about to get real. Mm-hmm. And even though Darius is really great at handling these things, he's very tactful. I don't know, like I got really uncomfortable. Um, right there when he said, you don't understand! <laughs> we all did. I was like, <laughs> chill out with that attitude. 
I mean, I kind of took the shift in tone and to be like, before again, you were treating me as a person before. Like we were mm-hmm. having a conversation, we were engaged in in discussion, and we were talking about music, and you had somebody to share his like desires with. Then you made me a business transaction. You took the humanity out of it, and my guess is that's something that, as a musician who has a crazy kind of father, pushing him to do a lot of work that he wasn't necessarily interested in, that that probably took him back to a lot of bad places where I'm not here for you, I'm here for your talent. Yeah. Well. Okay, hold on, real quick. Let me just get that far. I lose it. Okay, so do you think that things will have gone differently had he just continued with the pleasantries and just listen to all of his long stories and and not been in such a rush. Do you think that things would have changed and maybe he would not have ended up becoming the sacrifice or he was set to become the sacrifice? Regardless? That was the plan all along. Yeah, I think it was the plan. Yeah. Um, that boy Darren in the chat said, can somebody explain where the robbery was in this episode? And I think it's a robbery of vulnerability. It's a robbery of... Like, it's a robbery of a life, too. Yeah, I think it's something that... Robbery of childhood. That's exactly, a robbery of childhood. Um, um I think even like the, I thought the ostrich egg was really interesting just because he had to really go to town on chipping it away. <laughs> and then once he did, it was just like a complete mess. And I think that's how a lot of, especially black men are. Mm-hmm. Like they have this hard exterior. And when you continue to push and push and push, mm. tell me about there's, it, girl. <laughs> right? There's, there's just like nothing there. It's just complete, it's a complete mess and it gets everywhere. So you're saying these, these men ain't got nothing in them? They got an offer. Well, because we have I'm kidding, okay. <laughs> no, but that we break them before they get yeah. a chance. Like the yeah. idea of this an egg is a safe place for you to gestate and grow and become right, a living being. Right. But he called it a coffin. You don't even. He get called a it an owl or an ostrich coffin. Owl coffin. The idea that before life even began, like it had already been decided and chosen for him. Yeah, yeah. and maybe yeah. I'm like reading too far into a lot of the stuff that's going in the episode. It's Donald Glover, so I but don't it think was so. it was like kind of half cooked the egg like on the it inside. It was very runny. Yeah, and oh, I it thought, was a soft boiled. Yeah. Oh, and I thought that was egg. interesting because it just kind of was like it had you let this, you know, cook or boil or whatever mm-hmm. the way it should have, it would have been whole and it would have mm-hmm. been what you need it to be. On, but instead yeah. you put this pressure that was unnecessary and here we are with this runny ass egg that you mm-hmm. can't really enjoy now. That's a Absolutely. word right there. Right? That's a word in that. I'm like, ah, ah. I think also it's a rob for Darius, it's a robbery of time. Like of all the things, he could have been... All the weed he could have smoked while he's messing around with this dude house. Like, damn, I'm like, you wasted my time, man. And also, he says that he's like, I have a two regret limit in my life, which was hilarious. Because yeah, it was a two regret, li- uh, two regret life limit pack. Yeah. So, pack. the idea of him, like, if I left, I would have regretted it. But staying didn't really work out too well either. No. But like you you saw a homicide and a suicide yeah. and the sole witness as a black man, that's not a comfortable place to be in. Nobody yeah. wants but that. Somehow I don't think that that's going to bother him. And I think that if if nothing else is probably going to make him appreciate and value that piano that much more. He didn't get the piano. They wheeled the piano out as evidence. Yeah. Oh, he didn't get No. no. Oh, see, I missed that. I yeah, thought they, he got they it. wheeled it out authorities, as evidence. Yeah, authorities got the piano. He walked away now. with literally nothing but a really great horror story for the rest of his life. Like, Forever. Um, mm-hmm. That was a good discussion, guys. I really appreciated that. Thank you. Uh, any predictions for next week that we want to do real, real quick? And now, you're after Buzz TV. I'm last. Prediction. I don't really have a prediction because this season kind of is like one of those you just don't know. That's true. Um, but I do want to see, now that people like in our comments stuff have brought up that County Clark is Chance the Rapper. Mm-hmm. I want more of it because now I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. And I'm just like obsessed with that concept. And I'm like, I need more of him interacting with them. Totes. So that's all I want. Kelly. I would never put a hand on you. But I'm just saying, I'm not the only one in the world with hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like... If anything else, if nothing else, we're going to see in one of these upcoming episodes, um, everything get put together. It's going to be pieced together to where it's like, oh, okay, I see how this led to this, led to this, led to this. At least that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. I mean, we only saw one little excerpt of Van and her homegirl, I guess, you know, in the, mm. well, here's crying. what's coming next week. Yeah, she's like, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm so happy. I'm like, 
Well, you know, that the daddy is not happy. So she doesn't think, have a job. She don't have a man. That's going to yeah, be really so awful. Yeah, so I think we're going to see what it's like to not be happy for your friend who's so happy they could cry. Like, what right. does that look like? And we're going to see that emotion played out. Um, so I think, of course, like next episode is going to be about Van and her little sorry homegirl. <laughs> I uh, like how, Okay, I'm sorry. Real quick. I don't want to cut you off, but I, I am. I'm sorry. Let me just get this out real quick. I like how <laughs> every every preview uh, that we've seen doesn't really give you much of anything. Because the preview last week for this week's episode, I thought it was going to go in a completely different direction than what they did. And that's it. I'm sorry. That's okay. I know it's going to be weird because it's Darius. Yes. Uh, when they said he was going on a trip, I thought he was going to go trip in a forest or something. And I was like, yes, let me tell you all my Burning Man stories. And then that's not what happened. I was like, I don't have any stories to parallel uh, to this. Thank God. Knockwood. Um... Yeah, uh, I don't want to reduce uh, Zazzy to just being the girlfriend character on here, but my God, let's get Earn and Van back together. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us here back in Atlanta at After Buzz. Until next week, panel, starting with Kelly, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter, Chaos J, Instagram, Chaos underscore Oceans 31, Oceans Y, because your boy's so wavy. Oh. Guys, make sure to subscribe right now. Like this video right now. Comment if you are listening to us via podcast. Like us on iTunes. You know, send us love over there. Check out the new website because they just redid it and it looks amazing. And if you want to hang out with me, follow me on all the things at OKDrewJ. Hey, everyone. Again, it's Ivana. You can follow me on Twitter at Ivana L. Williams. You can also catch me on Wednesdays for the Star After Show. What? Hey, guys. I'm Joel Monique. You can follow me all over the internet at Joel Monique every week at BlackGirlNerds.com. Coming up on Heroes over at Collider. Uh, I don't know. A whole bunch of things. Just follow (laughs) the schedule. I'm on Twitter. You can find me there. Thanks for joining us, guys. We will see you next week. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 